0: This morning will be brought to us by Mr. Reg Noland, and it's entitled "The Motion and Goshen: Jehovah versus All the Gods of Egypt." Before I get started, I'd like to <clears throat> say something. I'd like to thank God for delivering me from my foolish ways. Uh, no, I'm still alive and kicking. No bucket in sight. Uh, so we'll see what. Uh, so thank you all for your prayers, your concerns, your visits, your phone calls, and other support um, following my cardiac event on Monday. It was a bit of a wake-up call for me to get my attention, to motivate me to change my lifestyle. For apparently, I've been living a very unhealthy lifestyle for the last at least the last 30 to 40, 35 years or so. Ever since you guys have known me, at least. Anyway, you know. Too much work, not enough sleep, too much. uh, Let's see what else. Too much work, too much stress, not enough sleep, irregular and irregular, uh, irregular and unhealthy eating habits, uh, too much sugar, too much fat, not enough exercise. You know the the regular routine. (laughs) Yeah, normal lifestyle for me. Anyway, um, but like the proverbial donkey, I am a Democrat after all. You have to hit me over the head with a two by four just to get my attention. Well, this got my attention, so now I am alert to it, and I'll have to make some major changes. So I thank you for all your prayers and uh, concerns, and I will need your continued prayers as I attempt to make these drastic life changes. I'm even having to give up (laughs) Coca-Cola, which is, if you know me, is a major idea. Okay, let's get on with it, if you will. All right, we lost it, all right? We lost it already. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, you, I can't run this at all? Oh. Well, never mind. All right. I'll give you cues then. Okay. The Apostle Paul tells us. We wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness and the swirl, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and confirms that many of our uh, spiritual opponents, may not even be visible to the naked eye. Speaking of Jesus, Paul says in Colossians uh, 1, uh, 14 through 17, "...in whom we have our redemption through his blood, even forgiveness of our sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible." Both visible and invisible things were created, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. In other words, there are some unseen wars going on all around us. Wars within us as we fight to overcome our carnal nature, I'm now aware of that more Never. Uh, Social and political wars for justice or power. Spiritual wars between good and evil um, that we cannot see, but which are no less real for that. Doesn't it make sense that God and the legions of angels that were loyal to him are involved in this war against Satan and the legions of uh, angels that complicit in the revolt against God? As we approach this spring holy day season, let us consider God's unleashing the ten plagues of, upon Egypt, not just as a mechanism to deliver the children of Israel from bondage, but also as acts of war quote unquote against all the gods of Egypt. Against all the gods of Egypt. Next slide. This is, okay. I've got it highlighted here as well for you. uh, Against all the gods of Egypt. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Against all the gods of Egypt will I uh, uh, execute judgment, says the Lord. Okay. Okay. Now, for years and years and years, I went by and I read that simply as, um, oh, I read the phrase, against all gods, all the gods of you, as mere hyperbole. But then I, when I did the research into it, I found out some fascinating things. Um, what, um, because the very same things about the gods uh, of Egypt and what they were supposed to be governing matched up almost exactly with the ten plagues that were bl- bl- pronounced upon them. Most of the Egyptian gods were typically depicted as these hideous human-animal hybrids. Have you seen them? I'm going to show you some pictures of them in just a moment. Uh, With uh, the body of uh, a human being and the head of an animal, not all of which we recognize. For example, the head of the uh, uh, god called Seth, or Set, for example, is not listed in any menagerie at all. It is like something alien, completely alien. Such a human-animal hybrid reminds me of some of the descriptions of the angelic beings that are listed in Scripture, um, and such as, such as the uh, cherubim. Uh, perhaps that's why God warned Moses against the worshipping of such evil. I didn't give this one to Brian. Uh, he said in Deuteronomy 14, 4, 8, 19, Lest you lift up your eyes to heaven when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven, lest you should be driven to worship them and to serve them, which, the, which Jehovah your God has allotted into the nations of the heaven. So, if there was a temptation to worship angels and it's not unlikely that some of these Egyptian gods, quote unquote, were actually some of the fallen angels. Have you ever wondered though, why God chose these particular ten plagues to send upon the people of e- Egypt? In my research, I found an amazingly close and not insignificant correlation between the plagues of Egypt and the gods that were supposed to protect and rule Egypt. Today, I'd like to share with you some of the findings of my research. I'll be citing only the key verses that are relevant to my point, but if you'd like to read the whole story, you can find it in Exodus, chapters 7 through 12, basically, of the 10 plagues. All right, it's much more exciting to watch than the thrill of Manila, and it, but this is effectively, as I said, God's motion in Goshen. All right, be, the Egyptian pantheon. Okay. There we go, the Egyptian pantheon. Uh, these are some of the beings that are worshipped uh, in Egypt. The, they were all part of the same God family, with enough inner to resemble an Arkansas family tree. Uh, I counted 42 major goddesses, 50 major gods, all within the same family, and I'm not sure I even found all of them. For there could have been some personal gods worshipped by individual Egyptians. So at the beginning of this contest, there is no contest. This contest, it is no contest. We have our champion, Jehovah, versus at least, at least 92 gods and goddesses of Egypt. Now, there was a preview of what the outcome was going to be. Because if you remember what happened when Moses and Aaron first went before Pharaoh, Aaron threw down his rod. And the Egyptians, oh, that's not magic. Anyone can do that. They threw down their rods as well. Guess what? Aaron's rod just ate up all the others as well. It's after they turned into a snake. Okay? Um, So this was a preview of the outcome from the very beginning. Now, let's look more specifically at the plagues and the major Egyptian gods that were under attack. Alright, the, the, here are your ten plagues, and we're all familiar with them. Turning the water of the Nile into blood, frogs, gnats, lice, flees, fl- uh, flies, dead livestock, boils, hail, locusts, hot hail by the way, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn. Those were our ten plagues, we're all familiar with those, but did you ever think about why these particular ten plagues? Why these, and not some other kind of plague? Well, it turns out, as I said, that they all have corresponding parts. So, let's go to now to, uh, there's, there's the uh, Arkansas family tree. You see how uh, all the, the gods are uh, intermarried with all the others, the brothers and the sisters producing children and offspring, and they're, well, needless to say. No wonder they ended up with some hideous looking heads, right? Okay, so let's go Uh, uh, to read the scripture, if you will, for, yes, the Nile turned to blood. Okay. All right, uh, this is Exodus 7, verses uh, 20 to 25. Uh, Moses and Aaron did so and the Lord commanded and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river and the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood and the fish that was in the river died and the river stank, I'll bet it did and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river and there was blood uh, throughout all the land of Egypt okay? and the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantment and Pharaoh's heart was hardened um, um, was hardened uh, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said and Pharaoh turned and went into his house neither did he set his heart to this also and all the Egyptians digged around and about the river for water to drink for they could not drink of the water of the river since seven days were fulfilled and after the, that the Lord had in the river okay now first of all uh, I want you to think for a moment here Not only did, um, while the, whether the Nile actually turned to blood or not, was um, <laughs> somewhat debated, but it was the blood. It was the uh, blood. Sorry, it turned to blood or became simply the color and consisted of blood is still under debate, but the result is the same. The Nile River, the lifeblood of Egypt, and all the other water in the land became completely unusable for seven days. Scholars trying to find a scientific explanation for the event speculate that the Nile River was infested with a severe and sudden outbreak of red algae. Have anyone know what red algae is? Okay, um, Which is red when which chokes the oxygen out of the water and kills any large, life in it or that drink it. Pharaoh's magicians duplicated this plague along with the next one as if to say, oh, that's not divine. Any magician can do that. Here, let me show you how. It really kind of bothers me that they would do that. I think Jehovah here tricked them, if you will. He tricked the magicians with a sucker punch attacking their pride. Jehovah got them to compound the very same plague by Increasing it by duplicating the same plague they were doing. Instead of remedying the plague, they just made it worse. Okay, I think that was a sucker punch. I didn't appeal to that one. Um and the magicians never even saw it coming. Alright, so which gods are we talking about now? All right, there's a group of them. Is that the one? Yes, okay. All right, these are the gods of the Nile that were defeated. Not, uh, this doesn't work, okay. Not even, nope. Okay, nothing worse. All right, uh, Happy, uh, who is also called the Apis Bull, uh, was the Egyptian uh, god of the Nile. Isis was the, uh, Isis was the goddess of the Nile. She was also goddess of magic, marriage, healing and perfection. She gets hit several times in the course of these plagues. Uh, she's the wife and sister of Osiris and the mother of Horus. Uh, Sobek, was a crocodile headed god, that's them over in the lower right corner, um, uh, was a god of protection and preservation. Anuket uh, was another goddess of the Nile, she's the one with the ankh and the feathery headdress here. Um, okay. And uh, Karnam was a ram headed god, uh, he was Ra's, Ra was the sun god, and this was Ra's aspect in the evening. Again, notice the the strange-looking heads that they have, a crocodile for a head, a ram head, we'll get into an obis head, all sorts of different other kinds of heads here as well. Okay, Uh, next slide, the plague of frogs. Okay, and, come on, okay, okay. Uh, This is in Exodus 8, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to focus on verses 6 through 8, where we actually see the... the, the outpouring of the frog. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantment and brought up more frogs upon the land of Egypt. And the Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord, and he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let your peop- uh, let the people go that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. Let's see where I okay. I'm having... Alright, now, next slide is the, the uh, goddess of uh, Egypt, this is, uh, Heket, is her name, um, the Egyptian goddess of fertility, water, resurrection and renewal. Interestingly enough, she had the head of a frog, okay, so you might think about that one as well. Um, as it turns out, one of the Egyptian deities, Hecate, the Egyptian goddess of fertility, water, resurrection, renewal, actually had the head of a frog. So, plaguing the land with frogs not only created a problem for the Egyptians think about all the noise from the croaking, the, the stench, the nuisance, the disease, and the cleanup afterwards but it was also a mockery of Hecate, who was powerless to control her totem animal. And again, Pharaoh's magicians compounded the plague. They didn't get rid of the frogs, they just more frogs, so uh, we have it compounding this way. Um, furthermore, in the Egyptian culture, in the Egyptian lore, frogs were seen as possessing divine life giving power, so killing or harming them in any way was forbidden. So, imagine, if you will, the Egyptians gingerly trying to step over the frogs so they don't step on any of them at night and coaxing the frog here, little frog, get on out, move on out of the way. All right because they cannot, they cannot harm them. They cannot hurt them in any way. After a while, wouldn't you grow tired of trying to coax these frogs out of the house? Okay, uh, ironically, the frogs would have infested the begs, beds and the bedrooms of the Egyptians, the very place where the blessings of Hecate would have been sought. How long do you think that the, that the patience of the Egyptians would have lasted before wanting to curse the little fellows instead of worship them? Okay, I think this is a classic case of Jehovah's sense of humor. It tickled me to no end. Um, okay, next one. Okay, th- this is dust to bugs. All right. Uh, Here, the bugs that we're talking about here, the uh, King James Version translates it as lice, but it's not restricted to lice. It could be lice, or gnats, or fleas, or scarabs, or any kind of other crawling, biting bug, basically. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man, and in beast, and in beast. And the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments as well to bring forth a life. But they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beasts, And the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not to them as the Lord had said. Okay. Alright, dust the bugs. Now, the King James Version, as I said, translates life, but it, translated here, the word is lies, but it's not restricted to lies alone. It could be anything. And this is the first plague that the magicians could not and would, did not duplicate. They called it the finger of God. Now, which finger he used is never specified. Okay, the most, uh, next one, please. These are the gods that were probably defeated. uh, Geb is the Egyptian god of the earth. He had dominion over the dust of the earth, so obviously since the dust was stricken and became lice, he was one of the ones that were attacked. uh, Set, there's the one with the strange looking animal head that's nowhere recorded in uh, in any of our annals anywhere. Uh, Set, the Egyptian god of the desert, was a human hybrid with an unknown animal. This was, as I said, the first plague that the magicians could not duplicate. Next. All right, this is the plague of flies. The word that is translated here as swarm of flies should actually just be swarms and could refer to other swarming insects as well. So let's look at the swarms. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and lo, he cometh forth to the water and and say unto him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me, else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people into the houses, into the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereupon uh, where upon where they are and I will and I will sever in the day of the land of, Go, uh, of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there and to that end thou may knowest that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth and I will put a division between my people and thy people tomorrow shall this time be and the Lord did So, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of of Pharaoh and into his servant's house and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarms of flies. Can you imagine flies everywhere? One is enough to drive me crazy, but can you imagine whole swarms of them in the house? Okay. Um, Let's continue. Um, Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, uh, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet that we do, do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? They're worried because if they, they what the things they have to sacrifice are sacred to the Egyptians, and they're worried that they could pick up stones and... Uh, Uh, attack the uh, Israelites. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only... You shall not go very far away. Entreat for me, he says. Um, and Moses said, Behold, I will go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that a swarm of flies may depart from Pharaoh and from his servants and his people tom- tomorrow. But let, Pharaoh, uh, not, but let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice the Lord. Pharaoh pulls his tricks several times. He promises to let them go, but then reneges on his promises. In the process. Okay? The gods defeated Hefrey. The word translated as flies should be, as I said, swarm. Kepri was associated with the scarab or dung beetle, rolling a ball of dung across the desert as the sun rolls across the sky. He was the god of creation, rebirth, and the movement of the sun. This was the first plague to strike only the Egyptians, thereby putting a mark of separation upon God's people, separating God's people from uh, the others. Okay? All right. Let's go to the plague of the diseased livestock now. Okay? Uh, the This is in Exodus 9, verses 1 through 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go into the Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and will hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon the cattle, which is in the field, and upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, upon the sheep, and there will be a grievous moraine. Translated, that means they're all going to die. Okay, a grievous moraine is that. And the Lord shall uh, sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall be, uh, nothing die of all that is in the children of Israel. Uh, and the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord uh, shall do this to the land. Le- do this thing in the land. And the Lord uh, did the thing on the morrow, and the cattle of Egypt died, but, all the ca- but the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of Israel dead, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let his people go. Okay, now notice something that's rather interesting about this one. This one, he's actually given a warning ahead of time. There's going to be a plague tomorrow. All your cattle are going to die. <laughs> You have a chance to repent. Did he? Not in the least. Okay, which gods were defeated in this process? No, but but before, I, let's, before we talk about God, let's talk about why with the livestock. Uh, the plague upon the livestock was not only an attack upon a major food source, yes, but it was also an attack upon their livelihood. For in a pre-industrialized civilization, livestock were the tractors, the cars, the um, trucks that supported the economy, as well as the tanks and the transports for the military. By taking out the livestock, Jehovah cripples the economy of Egypt, decimates a food source and throws a monkey wrench into their military machine. Okay. Uh, the gods that were defeated, the major one was Hathor. Hathor was an Egyptian goddess of love and protection. She gets hit several times in the course of this battle as well and was usually depicted with a head of a cow. Uh, Apis, again, the bull god, was worshipped as a god in his own right but is often associated with Ptah, that sounds unlike something Klingon, Ptah, the uh, c- uh, powerful creator god of the Egyptian. Again, notice that God puts a mark of separation between his people and uh, the uh, people of, um, of of Egypt. It's a real knockout punch, and it's leveled strictly straight at Hether, Hathor, the goddess of love and protection. Um, this is... This one, as I said, came with a warning and, and, as re- and it was a direct result of Pharaoh's disobedience. And also, an interesting thing to note is this Apis bull that we're talking about here, that's the same golden calf that the, Egyptian, that the Israelites tried to, to construct to lead back into Egypt later on. Okay, the plague of sores. Next plague of boils and sores. This is Exodus 9 verses 8 and 11 where I'm a focus. And Jehovah said unto Moses and Aaron, take yourselves handfuls of ashes from the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it toward the sky in the light of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in the land of Egypt and it shall be be a boil breaking forth with sores upon man and upon beast. So both man and beast gets hit with this plague of sores throughout all the land of Egypt and they took the ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses sprinkled it up toward the sky that's important, it's going toward the sky and it became a boil breaking forth with sores upon man and beast and the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boil they were so covered with boils that even their feet and hands were covered with boil, they could not stand so the only one capable of standing before Pharaoh were the ones who had the support of Jehovah, they were Moses and Aaron. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boil, for the boil was upon the priest and upon the land. Okay. Um, the this is a this note that this plague fell upon the Egyptian human beings and remaining beasts, but it did not fall upon any of the Israelites or their animals. God continues to place a mark of distinction upon his people. Interestingly, the magicians can no longer stand, probably due to the sores on their feet. Only Aaron and Moses can stand supported by, by Jehovah. The disease they, are, they suspect was probably skin anthrax carried by the bites of fleas and lice from, the, uh, from their contact with the livestock and the flo- frogs, which causes, interestingly, boils on the hand and the feet. And there was nothing that anyone, divine or human, could do about it. Okay. Uh, next one, we have... the the gods that were defeated on this one were of course Isis, Isis, the god of healing. I said this is the second uh, the most powerful female uh, deity in the Egyptian hierarchy. Uh, Isis, the god of healing. Imhotep, now Imhotep was really the only, only one of the gods that was an actual person, a human being here. And he was, uh, he was a, an architect, a scientist, uh, an engineer, a philosopher, a physician. He had all sorts of duties. He was actually so powerful that they worshipped him as a god. He was also a, a pharaoh, a king as well. Thoth uh, had an ibis head. Um, yes, that's the one in the upper right. Thoth, uh, this is Imhotep down in the lower left-hand corner. They actually have a statue of a bust of him from uh, Egyptian days. Uh, Thoth is an I- ibis-headed human being. He's held as the god of knowledge, and this was a direct attack upon all their medical knowledge. And Sunu was a pestilence god. I couldn't find a, a picture of him or it. <laughs> Um, Sekhmet was a goddess with power over disease and obviously she couldn't do nothing as well. Okay, now an interesting one coming up next is hot hail. Hot hail, can you imagine that? And Jehovah said to Moses, stretch forth your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in the land of Egypt. Upon man and upon beast, and upon every herb in the field throughout the, the land, Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, Jehovah sent down thunder and hail, and the fire came down to the ground, Jehovah rained hail upon the uh, land of Egypt, and there was hail and fire mixed with the hail, very grievous, such as, like, uh, such as there was none like it in all of the land since. Uh, uh, since Egypt became a nation. And the hail struck through all the land of Egypt and all the was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, was there no hail." Okay, now think about this with the hail. I'm going to have to just summarize some of this, it looks like. Although, and I thought the weather in Oklahoma was bad, uh, but this, this even beats the weather in Oklahoma. Here the hail comes down as chunks of ice to batter down the flax and the barley, the staples of the textile and the beer making industry. Note it did not attack the wheat crop at this point, it only attacked the luxury items at this point at this stage. The hail then once it, it batters down the, the plant, it then ignites as if it contained phosphorus or something and to burn the crops that it has just battered. Now we know how wildfires can s- spread, right again? Okay? Uh, the Egyptians gods that were defeated here were Nat, the sky goddess, Set, the god of storms, and Osiris, which was the god of crops and fertility, because they could do nothing. They could do nothing. Uh, next, the plague of locusts. Um, I will go ahead and read part of it. Okay, the plague of locusts. Okay. Um, Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and Jehovah brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought forth locusts. And the locusts went up and over all the land of Egypt and rested in the coast of Egypt, very numerous. Before them there was no such locusts as they, neither after them shall there be such. So this is the worst infestation of locusts ever. Uh, For they covered the whole face of the earth so that the land... uh, land itself was darker. We've had those kind of outbreaks here in Oklahoma occasionally, where the crickets are so bad that they cover the ground, you can't walk or can't step without stepping on the cricket. Well, imagine that with locusts as well. Um, they ate every herb of the land and the fruit of the trees which hailed from left and right, that did not remain any green thing in the trees or herb in the field throughout all the land of Egypt. The gods that were defeated here were of course the continued fight against Osiris, the goddess the, the god of um, uh, fertility, the, the whatever, wheat, uh, whatever wheat had been spared by the hail is now being consumed by the locusts. Along with the fruit of every green tree, Jehovah has now completely decimated the entire food supply of the Egyptian. And since the locusts came from the desert and swarms so vast that they looked like storms, this attack is a, like a second punch at Seth. Um, further, the locusts constitute a continued battering of Osiris, the, go- the god of crops and fertility, as well as a mockery of Shu, the god of the atmosphere and the wind, all of whom seem powerless against the fierce fists of Jehovah. Now, the plague of darkness. Jehovah said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the heavens that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, so that uh, one may feel, this is important, so that one may even feel the darkness. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward the heavens, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. And they did not see one another, nor did they rise from his place for three days, but all the sons of Israel had, had light in their dwelling. Isn't that interesting? So, just a few miles apart, you know, the difference in daylight and dark, literally, um, in this process. The Egyptian gods that were defeated were the important, were some of the most important ones of the whole god. This plague of darkness was much more than a mere solar eclipse, like some people may have suspected. For no solar eclipse can last for three days. The most you're going to get for a solar eclipse is like three hours at most. Okay, um, probably less than that. Uh, 72 minutes, I think, is the the average or whatever. Rather, this was a darkness so intense and so oppressive that it could actually be felt. That's in verse 21. It was probably a dust storm of very fine particles stirred up from the desert as a result of the pestilence that had rendered the land barren and desolate. The dust storm was so thick that one couldn't see or breathe easily, if at all. The gods that were under attack were Amon-Ra, chief of the gods, the sun god, later, and presumed the father of Pharaoh. The disk of the sun, which is Aten, uh, completely blotted out by the storm. The Horus was the son of Osiris and Iris. He was the god of war, the sky, and falcons. Uh, Nut, the sky goddess, continues to take a beating here at the hands of Jehovah. Uh, Hathor, goddess of love and protection, uh, remember she has a cow's head, so she was utterly helpless to protect herself here. Okay. Um, Plague of the death of the firstborn. We know this one. This is the, okay, the death of the firstborn. And Moses said, Thus says Jehovah, about midnight I will go into the midst of Egypt, and, I, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh and, that sits on the throne, to the firstborn of the slave girl that is behind the mill, also the firstborn of the beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout all of the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be evermore. But uh, against any of the sons of Israel, not even a dog shall move his tongue against man or beast, so that you may know that Jehovah puts a difference between um, the Egyptians and the Israel and, and Israel. <sighs> okay, come on, go, go, go. Went too far. Back up. Sorry. Okay, and it happened at the second. Continuing here, and it happened at midnight. Jehovah struck. Uh, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne until the firstborn of the captive that was in the prison, so also the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and all his servants and the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not, there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get away from my people, both you and your sons of Israel. Go and serve Jehovah as you have said. Notice, as you have said. Up until this point, Pharaoh had been trying to bargain with God to get his way, but at this point he is utterly defeated. The Pharaoh, who is himself considered a God, is defeated now, and he says, as you have said. Okay, Um, I have to Get out of here. All right, so, let's see. Uh, Pharaoh, viewed as a descendant of one of the gods, was one of the things that were attacked. Osiris, the giver of life, was another one who attacked. Isis, protector of children, uh, could not defend their, uh, her innocence. Uh, Hecate, the goddess of childbirth, was made a mockery. And men, well, men is an, an endowed, well-endowed god of reproduction. Let's leave it at that. Okay, so, what does all this suggests there's a throughout all of this there's a hardening of Pharaoh's heart that seems like it's insignificant but it's not hardening of pharaoh's heart was not just god making him so callous that he would have to endure all ten plagues the number of completeness but also making his heart heavy you see in egyptian mythology when they die they believe they go to heaven only or go to paradise only if their heart and a feather are weighed in the balance, and the feather is heavier than the heart. So if his heart is heavy, is hardened, he will not be, it will not be lighter than a feather, he will not go on to paradise. So there's an additional element to the hardening of the heart that we may have overlooked down through years. So, let's see. <sighs> his soul is condemned. Next slide, please. Look at that pantheon. That's 42 goddesses, 50 gods, 92 gods and all, and I may have missed some. Okay, That's a lot to remember, a lot to remember, all claiming to be divine. All of them lies, by the way. All of them defeated by our champion, the self-existent one called Jehovah. And that's a really a lot of really strange names to remember. So I'm going to give you a shortcut for how to remember the gods that Jehovah fe- defeated when he was with the plagues of Egypt. Which gods did Jehovah vanquish? Last slide, all of them.